podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk with some actual proper grown-up football to get our teeth into, possibly for the first time since, oh, May the 21st. I don't know if you know if the Middlesbrough game counts, if we're all honest. They're going that far back now. Middlesbrough certainly weren't uh, at their very best that day. Nor were Bayern Munich, possibly, when Liverpool played against them in the Audi Cup. We're going to talk about both the games, Liverpool versus Bayern Munich and Liverpool versus Atletico Madrid. I've got Ian Ryan and John Gibbons with me, uh, also coming up from Dublin, uh, i.e. recorded at a separate time. We are going to be talking about the Champions League draw right now. You'll know what that is. We don't, uh, but we will know when we talk about it. We're not just going to sort of make it up. We haven't <laughs> we done. Should. should we just do? Should we just do five shows about each of the five five recordings about each of the five possibles? Yeah. And then I'll just drop whichever one that is in. It'd be an absolute nightmare <laughs> if we didn't get Bucharest and that was the one they put out. Has <laughs> the Anfield rap gone mad? Uh, we're going to be talking about that and then we're going to be looking ahead to the weekend as to what to expect from Bilbao, the bigger picture of Icarus Drow to the Champions League playoffs and how ready we are or aren't. Uh, transfers as ever uh, will play a part in all of that. But let's start with the two games and let's start with the positives of Bayern first and foremost, Ian. And it's important to, to accentuate the Bayern game for two reasons, I think. It's fair to say that Liverpool, Bayern Munich, Atletico Madrid and Napoli all played heftier, more serious-looking sides from the start in the first game, not in the second. And so, regardless, before you go any further, it's not just about the fact that Liverpool played well, that they won the game. It's actually that we got to see what looked closer to first 11s across both of those games on the Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you if you look at the Bayern Munich game, I mean, it's... It's hard not to get a little bit excited and a little bit carried away because um, Bayern did go strong. And, and I think, you know, similar to, to last year when we beat Barcelona, it, it does get you excited. It does make you think, I can't wait for the season to start. And there was loads and loads of posters from a Liverpool point of view. I think the fact that if you take the pre-season as a whole, we're not conceding many goals, which is, which, is, which is a good start. We look great going forward. There's loads of pace, loads of movement. Coutinho playing deeper um, already looks like it's going to start paying dividends. And again, you know, you... You don't want to read too much into these preseason games, but as I say, there's clearly a there's clearly a plan to kind of deploy Coutinho deeper and operate with with Mane and Salah and Firmino in a front three. Uh, and interestingly, when you start to see Firmino dropping in, you've got the pace of the other two going in behind, so it it looks really really good, Neil. The first thing it looks is fast, John. Yeah. Uh, fast in the middle of the park. Uh, I thought it looked fast in the middle of the park. It looked fast at both fullback positions. We'll come back onto that in a minute. And it looked it looked fast sort of with with Coutinho in the middle of the park, and it looked fast up top. Yeah, tons of pace, um, and it, it was a good kind of barometer for how I think they'll, they'll look to play away in Europe next year. Um, Bayern Munich had quite a bit of the ball, especially early, but Liverpool looked, I say, fairly comfortable with it and, and was springing into action when necessary. They looked very really confident as well, and, and that was kind of a good thing to see because I think, obviously, last time we were in the Champions League, I think... We, we we kind of forgot that we were Liverpool and we had a decent record in it, I think, and we were, you know, not just not just kind of, you know, the, the Real Madrid games, but I think generally and, and we had a really not just pay, we had a really good swagger about us and, and I kinda of really liked that really. And you look at sometimes you know, what Ian says you could look too much into preseason games and teams can be at different stages and I think that was the case of you know, when we played Barcelona, they were just back and we, we were looking a bit sharper. But Bayern Munich have got quite a big game at the weekend. Yeah. They're playing Dortmund in, in the Super Cup thing and then, and then the league campaign starts the same day as ours. And so they, I'm sure they'd have wanted to, to, to you know, to, to, to beat Liverpool and to put up a more impressive performance than they did. But they just sort of weren't allowed, really. Well, one of the things on that, John, was I thought you kept seeing them look angry and disappointed with the yeah. way in which it was going in that yeah, yeah. in that first half especially but I thought you know there was I thought they lost the discipline a little bit which yeah. you know not just by the standards of a pre-season friendly but just simply by the standards of a game of football at that level you don't normally see 
that many sort of semi-ridiculous reducers starting to get yeah. lashed out. I thought you saw that. I thought whenever the camera cut to Ancelotti, he didn't look a happy man at all. A couple of the players, you could see they were getting on each other's backs a bit. I thought they looked like, this is not going to plan. What are we meant to do? Well, I don't think they're used to people taking the ball off them. And I think there's, there's a bit of that. I mean, I just said they, they had quite a bit of the ball, but we were... We were we were we were taking it when we could, and we were um, you know counter attacking quickly, and and they didn't they didn't enjoy it, and kind of why would you really? Because the you know they're a squad of winners, and the, and they've won kind of you know everything over the over more recent years, much more than Liverpool have, and so and so they wouldn't enjoy it, especially in their own stadium. And I think that's another impressive thing about kind of how well we played is that you know we're, we're going to go to some tough places. We all hope next season in in the Champions League, and and I think that kind of attitude you know bodes well. The attitude, I think, is one of the key things to take. Uh, but I mentioned before the fullbacks, uh, both Alexander Arnold and surprisingly across the course of the whole 90 minutes, Moreno um, did themselves absolutely no harm. Possibly in different ways. Possibly if you're Albi, it might be it might be a shop window scenario. But if you're Trent Alexander Arnold, I thought it was a marker in terms of. Gaffer, your first choice right back might not be fully fit to come the start of the season. Uh, you might want to seriously consider me. Absolutely, I think it was the Trent performance was interesting. Um, Given that Klopp had made some some comments um, probably only a week ago now, but he spoke about he spoke about a couple of players, Druitch and, and Trent in particular, and and, and, it, and his kind of point was if Trent starts to defend like a man because he certainly attacks like a man, then he will be pushing for first team opportunities. Um, again, you go back to the point. The caveat is it's a friendly, but I tell you what, he did not handle himself well. He did not handle himself well. Um, I thought he was excellent throughout. Um, and to be fair to Moreno, and there's probably not that many fans Moreno knocking about, but he did really well. He did really, really well. Um, and if you could get that level of performance out of him consistently, not many people would have an issue with him hanging around. I think the point is, he just there's not many believers now that think he could get to that performance week in, week out. Uh, you, you hope, you're always hoping the pennies drop with him because the main issue with him is... He switches off, he does daft things, and he, he doesn't seem to learn from his mistakes. If you could get some of that right, and, and Klopp made, did make a point and said, listen, you know, if you can reach that level of performance uh, consistently, you know, there's no reason why he couldn't hang about. Whether that, whether that's true or not, because you, you still sense if someone came in with a, with a half-decent bid, 15, 16 million pounds, you could see him leaving the club. It seems a strange situation all of a sudden. The very fact that he picks him for that first half in that game, when he doesn't, he doesn't pick Robertson, and Robertson yeah. doesn't even get on the next, doesn't start the next game either. Um, this isn't to say that the manager had a look at Robertson has decided he can't be bothered with him. Far from it, I very much doubt that that's the case. Just more that it it does make you sort of wonder whether or not what we've thought and what we've said all the way through is well, he's definitely going to go. He's definitely going to go if circumstances somehow, and I'm not quite sure what they are, but could lead to the manager thinking, all right, let's give it another three, four, five months. I think with with the first teams, I think he's he's always thrown a couple of curveballs, and I think it's to keep. Everyone on the toes, uh, you know, the players themselves, of course, but also those people maybe of the opposition who were trying to think, well, I know exactly what Liverpool are going to do against Watford, and I think he's done that. So there's always there's always been what looks like a first team, but then he's thrown Coutinho in the other one, or Henderson yep. in the other one, or or someone like that. And so I don't think you can read loads into it, but but um, I think there was a, the, the possibility stays. I, th- I think is the, the I think they're quite firm on what they want from him, and I think they'll. In terms of we talk about the Liverpool's transfer policy and we talk about it from a buying point of view, but from a selling point of view, they they've, they've been much better recently at getting at getting decent value for people. You know, over the over the last few windows, you've looked at it and gone, "Bloody hell, I wasn't expecting him to, to kind of get that." And he, they've done it again with Kev Stewart this window. And I think the the way he stays at Liverpool, I don't think is necessarily 
to do with him changing Jürgen's mind. I think the only really way is that you don't get what what he they feel he's worth in the current market. I think one of the things that that pleased me from that performance was in terms of the fullbacks was the balance. So I'm I'm a James Milner fan. I like him, um, and I, I can still see a scenario where. Milner will play against the top six home and away and probably most of the, the key Champions League games but I tell you what it's great having balance where the left back's not having to check and cut in and defenders then get time to set themselves you've seen it in, in the game where Robertson came in against Hertha Berlin as well and he's able just to make that whip ball obviously Moreno has the shot that leads to, to the second goal uh, and it's just nice to have a bit of balance I and think he, the, and you got the same with, with sorry, uh, John. You got the same with Trent on the other side. I thought his teammates enjoyed it as well. You know, you talk about enjoying watching it, but you look at how how kind of Mane linked up with him, and I think they liked that. And that's not to say that I don't think they enjoy playing with James Milner because they always give him the ball, and you know he he's, he sees a huge amount of ball when he plays for a left back, and so they obviously really trust him as well. But I think they enjoyed having having that overlap. I mean, it's a lovely little flick from Mane, isn't it? And kind of a bit of a showboat. And I think I think. You know, it, it, I think they enjoyed the pace. Yeah, the, yeah, the, pace. yeah. The, the, the pace, the kind of overlap, the, the, the kind of option there, and I think it's it's something for the managers to think about whether it be Reina or Robertson in maybe in certain games or maybe even in certain situations because you know it could be a case of you know it's, it's seventy minutes, it's nil nil, we want a goal. Okay, well you know they've they've the opposition have give up attacking. We'll, we'll, a left back for a left back isn't isn't always you know the, your most conventional attacking change, but it could it could be a good one, and if, especially if you're given the opposition something something difficult different to think about. The one other thing then is 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 the second game. Uh, the second no, first the first, the second half of the first game where I think you saw the manager said himself he didn't think Liverpool proactive enough, which I thought was an interesting line after after the game in the first half against Bayern Munich. What I think you saw in the second half Ian, was the they decided to take control of the game a lot more. They weren't they weren't reactive. It wasn't the idea that they were just sort of sitting in. They very much decided that this was going to be the game they were going to have the way in which they wanted, and I thought that, that was again impressive mentally. All the caveats apply, not least because if you buy Munich at that point, it's you know suddenly you are all saying to each other it's only pre-season, lads, because <laughs> that becomes an easy thing to say. But Liverpool did decide that they were going to take the initiative. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I really, I really like uh, Klopp's comments. I think it's, I think most fans sitting there and you're beaten by Munich on their own patch and it's two 0 No one's really got much of an issue with it. Um, but the manager did have. We weren't proactive enough. We wanted us, he wanted us to be snapping into tackles quicker, um, passing the ball better, looking more of a threat. And and, that, and, that, and we certainly took, as you said there, Neil took control of the game second half. And it, it, it was really really good to see. And as I say, I think if if this Liverpool team can get its its best eleven on the pitch more often than not, um, there's not a, there's not a ground in the country that we should be scared of going to. And I, and I mean home and abroad as well. You could easily see a scenario where this Liverpool side hands out some footballing lessons both at home and abroad against some really good football sides. The side, the thing that frustrates you though, that worries you, John, in general about the season still because of what you've seen last season is what happens when Liverpool have to deal with a low block defence who come not to play. Uh, Atletico Madrid very much come not to play. And the same the same issues and questions around sort of quickening the tempo uh, we're knocking around in that game. Liverpool just, again, it was it was all just a little bit pedestrian and I think it was all a bit the night after the big game yeah. would be the one the night before. But you're just looking at times, can you just sharpen it a little bit? Yeah, it's. I mean, as you say, you don't want to look too much into it. It's a, you know, it's a crazy situation to be playing straight, you know, straight after. It's different players, you know, and and Atletico are really good at it. You know, they're one of the the best teams of the world when they're one 0 up. A lot of people saw saw saying that on on the social media, and so I wouldn't necessarily be worried about largely our reserve team struggling to break Atletico down, and I wouldn't be saying, well, you know, that means we're going to struggle Stoke at home, you yeah, know, because it's it's it's. 
you know the the, the standards not as high and, and our and our standards personal standard to be much higher but I saw saw someone say on social media be, be kind of interested to see how our kind of first eleven dealt with that. I mean, I think it would have been and it would have been kind of an interesting challenge. But we were in the situation we were, and I think I think the manager did it right. I think he did it right to to approach the Bayern Munich game how he did, and to say, well, this is the one we're looking to focus on, and then anything after that's the bonus. And and you know they they nearly got through it. They didn't nearly get through it. They took it to the penalties. Um, Henderson misses the key penalty in the game, Ian. But I think the key thing to sort of take from the, from both games, I thought, was the was the, the the pizzazz of the first game, and then the that the sudden options in attack because the other the other player we haven't talked about is Sturridge. We'll burn through to Sturridge. Great ball from Woodburn. We'll come back to him another day. But Sturridge getting on the end of it, and then the second game there was Origi, there was Solanke. Uh, Firmino comes off the bench. That's four forwards, and I was actually sitting there last night thinking it's been a while since I've actually thought we've got four forwards, four proper ones, four ones who you can see them, who you can see making fifty to hundred appearances for Liverpool. Yeah, I think the four forwards thing's really interesting. I've been thinking about kind of all the title winning teams and and who's done well in the league over the last kind of you know 10, 15, 20 years. And you know, you don't like to reference them too much, but you know, Ferguson was always a big believer of having four forwards, Go, going back as far as, you know, your, your Coles and your Yorks, your Solskjaer's, your Sheringham's, and then to your latter-day stuff with your, your Berbatov's, your Rooney's, your, your Tebes and your Ronaldo's. It's absolutely, it's massive to be able to have that kind of firepower on the bench uh, or, or in the team. I think the question marks from a Liverpool perspective would be that there are there are some doubts around some of those players. So Sturridge is obviously the injuries. Uh, I think the Origi one's interesting because you're, you're still almost waiting and hoping and he kind of finds that form of maybe kind of 12 months, 18 months ago in Klopp's first season. Um, Solanke's been a, a big surprise. I mean, I don't think anyone quite knew his level apart from maybe seeing a little bit of him in the summer uh, for England. Uh, but he looks great. His touch looks good. He's big, he's powerful. Um, he looks like he could be a real threat. And I think my thoughts on him were that he, he'd get a lot of... Um, under 23 time but I think already in pre-season you can see a case where he, he's probably going to make the 18 uh, and obviously Firmino I mean no, no, no issue at all with Bobby I mean he's great he's obviously um, you know, very selfless bringing others into play um, if you're going to be if you're going to be critical you maybe say this season he probably needs to put another five or six goals on his tally This is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk Ian Ryan and John Gibbons uh, more to come including the Champions League draw and the way in which we see already one week to go to big kickoff. how are the Reds looking? Yeah, I'm Phil Rapp on Radio City Talk. In a second or two, I'll be handing over to myself in Dublin, which is all a bit weird. The other side of this song, uh, to have a chat about the Champions League draw, you know what it is, I don't yet, but I will by the time James finished singing She's a Star. Indeed, the handover and Liverpool have got themselves Hoffenheim. There's a couple of things in this one. You do suspect they'll be tactically switched on, you suspect they'll be a quality side. I've got Paul Senior and Dan Austin with me in Dublin. Uh, I've explained how this works elsewhere. <coughs> yeah. They were probably the toughest of the five sides Liverpool could have got Paul. Um, yeah. On the one hand, on the other hand, you expect the manager knows German football really rather well, and you also expect that German football knows the manager really rather well. It could be a challenge in a couple of different directions, but we should have too much. You'd like to think so. Um, it, it, yes, it is probably the toughest. Um, I know they've got a very sort of on-trend manager, very young manager, forward-thinking. That being said, we so have we, you know, um, so and and also better footballers. I'd like to think that this is, you know, a, a challenge, but one that the Liverpool should be able to see off with, without too much difficulty. What I, I suppose it is a bit of a saving grace that they're not an unknown, that they're not going to spring a surprise on you. I think we've seen it the last couple of days 
with maybe Everton's opposition, opposition even where you can sort of underestimate these sides. Well, you're not going to underestimate a Bundesliga side. You're going to treat this like a, a seriously top fixture. I'm not saying these lots of professionals, you know, they're not going to yeah. take anything for granted, especially not a game of such magnitude. That being said, I think it may be even subconsciously refocus the mind that this is not a turn up and win. This is a serious opposition, good manager, difficult trip, but also one that I think we can just do if if we turn up and we perform. That should be enough. There's it's two tough legs. I think Dan, it's worth putting that out, and also it's it's been confirmed as being the Tuesday fixture rather than the Wednesday. So Liverpool will play against Watford at twelve thirty, mm-hmm. and then they'll have to from there have basically Sunday, Monday, and then be in Germany for the Tuesday game. It's a reminder of the intensity of this program when it hits a certain pattern. As much as you can think, well, we should you know we should have the squad to deal with this sort of thing. We didn't have to worry about this last season. This season we do. There's two legs there and Liverpool have got to get a result across the pair of them. Yeah, it's a very tough one to begin with. I think, obviously, Hoffenheim on paper are probably the strongest opposition, but I think it's, it's quite nice in hindsight that we haven't drawn the Istanbul side because that, that that length of a trip, I think, would make a vast difference in such a, such a short space of time between Saturday and Tuesday. So as, as much as Hoffenheim might be the most difficult team it's probably the nicest trip that yeah, we could have got out of all of them. You've got 72 hours, but exactly. actually the, the two and a half hour flight is rest time, recovery yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, they have got to start well and it, it, it does make you think in terms of the sides that he plays, he can't play identical sides and then do the same for Palace the weekend after and then the second leg of the fixture. And then so, play against Arsenal. Exactly, and it means that the right back, the right back position becomes even more interesting than what it would have already been if it was just oh the main right backs injured and you've got these options. It becomes well, do you play Trent in the league game and then do you play maybe Gomez, Gomez in the European game because it's it's it, it's a slightly different thing or you do it the other way around because Watford have got tall players or it it becomes this kind of it's a lot more convoluted than I think what we thought it would be in May, which is just oh you win the playoff. And then you're in it. And you're something else. But I think there's something else on that as well. I'll go back to you on it, Dan, which is also something that Jamie Carragher has said to us before, which is that there's actually a mental side to this as well, is the idea that these lads have got to get themselves all psyched up for a massive 12.30 kick-off against Watford, first game of the season on the telly, don't want to disappoint. Mm. You know that every point is going to be vital this season, whether it's top four or first, Liverpool are aiming for. And then, and then they've got to get themselves refocused, get themselves sorted out. They haven't got that sort of relaxed break. It's If anything, this right now is, it's bringing a clarity of focus to what actually the challenge is going to be for Liverpool. Even if they get through Hoffenheim, this is going to be the challenge for so much of the early part of the season. It's going to be game, very little break, refocus, game, very little break, refocus. Yeah. We had to do it a few years ago, didn't we, with the Europa League when we got to the final, but it wasn't quite the same because towards the end of that we were playing complete shadow sides in the league. So it was, yeah. it was we had a European side that prepared for the European Towers and then we had all the reserves and the lads who, who Klopp didn't really want to know anymore would play would play the league game. So it this this squad the vast majority of them don't have experience of playing that of playing that way and certainly not from the beginning of a season. Um, so it means that it it does mean that the intensity is 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 there from right away and that probably lends itself or or is relayed in the way that they've gone up pre season where they've played quite quite a few games. Um, they've been doing the triple sessions and stuff that he always pangs on about. Um, so I, I assume that's been to kind of build them up for this and say, well, we're not really having this kind of holiday time where we all come back and get to know each other again. It's very much hard work. Uh, there's the, the next part of this is 
um, Paul, that there's there's that question around the rumour that's broken about Lalana. Now, yes. at the time that we're recording this, recording the whole show, it's Thursday, the Lalana thing's not out at all, we're not doing this on Friday, but there's tons and tons of rumours around Lalana. Yes. And one of the things that throws open, I think, from a focus side and from a, having to have that clarity of focus and purpose around the rest of the season, suddenly, I've been saying for a while, you know, regardless of, of, of whether or not it's Cater, Liverpool look a midfielder light. And all of a sudden there, if Adam Alana isn't available, the idea that you play, you don't maybe play him at Watford, but you haven't started at Hoffenheim, <coughs> maybe you make a decision on Palace and then you make a decision before Arsenal. I think it's really, it brings that into focus as well, exactly what this challenge is. You don't want Gruwich and Woodburn to be in your six would-be midfielders. They can come into that if there is an injury. But all of a sudden now Liverpool really do look a midfield alight. Whether or not the, the, the Lallana thing is true, it brings that clarity. Yeah, it's been frustrating me a bit actually, the, the sort of the amount of people who've ruled him out as a first eleven player. I, I've sort of had no doubt in my mind the importance of him to our side. And now without him, I think it's sort of you start looking at your options and you start on, on day one of the Premier League season, on day one of the Champions League campaign, you're going, Oh, the man lights here. And this can't, this cannot be the thing come 30 of August if it is confirmed and we don't know if it is or not. But there is decent sources indicating that that, that he's out for four months. Well, you've you've said a number of times, Neil, on a lot of the shows across tour player that the, the amount of fixtures you've got between November and the end of December, well, you're now looking down the barrel and not having had another lineup for any of them either. Yeah. So... Okay. And by the way, even if this isn't true, that's still it could still yeah, happen and that's, to any yeah. of them. And that's you, the you, we cannot thing. rely on Jordan Henderson. I would say there's there's still things with Emre Chan where he picks up a niggle. You, you're looking at... Or, okay, you say Phil Coutinho comes to the midfield. Well, he's had his injury problems. There's there's not there's not one dead set and there's no, no dead set in football. You know, someone with a perfect injury record can do the cruciate ligaments. You know, there, there is literally that... You're now at a point now where if if Lalana has got that and we haven't managed to add Kaita, you have to do you have to do something. I don't care if you don't get plan A. It can't be plan A, plan A, plan A, plan A. There has to be a plan B because we've got potentially sixty games this season and a lot in quick succession. Uh, it, it shows the importance of being belt and braces braces in this campaign, Dan. You know, you talk about those let's just use this block of five games we've got coming up where mm. it's Watford first game, then Hoffenheim, then Palace, then Hoffenheim <laughs> and then Arsenal. And I'm not saying that if Liverpool don't get seven points minimum, the season's a write off. Last season Liverpool got four points from the first three games and went on and achieved what they achieved. But the point is more that there isn't going to be a ton of room for manoeuvre across the entirety of the campaign. And if Liverpool do want to take themselves seriously and take the challenge seriously, they need as many good footballers as they can get their hands on. Yeah, and Liverpool looked like in midfield at some point last season. Um, and at this point, they haven't added one. And they're too, light, too lighter than what they were. Um, they might be two that we didn't necessarily want to see an awful lot in Lucas Lever and Kevin Stewart. But at least... At least they were options. At least you can think if, if, if two of your midfielders get injured, Lucas is there. Or if one of your midfielders goes down with 10 minutes to go, Kevin Stewart is there on the bench. You've got them. Whereas I think we all we all assumed and, and Liverpool have blatantly wanted to buy a central, central midfielder at some point. So they've let those two go, you would think, assuming that they're going to bring one in. And whether whether the injury turns out to be as, as, as it seems now or whether it's just a kind of a, a red heron that's got us all worried, it does again show... The one small change to that and suddenly you feel really vulnerable again. 
Okay, this is the Anfield Rock and Radio City Talk. I'll hand back over to myself back in the Liverpool studio. That is us over in Dublin, and now we're back over in Liverpool. However, we're going to go into the 7pm marker, so Liverpool at 7 o'clock where you are right now. After the break, we'll be having a little bit of a chat about the weekend's game, what to expect from Bilbao, the bigger picture, uh, and looking ahead to Vicarage Road, the Champions League playoffs in general, and how ready we are or aren't, and as ever, our old friends' transfers don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Uh, Neil Atkinson, John Gibbons and Ian Ryan. Um, John, you're putting bands on at the weekend, along with going to Dublin. You are the most multitasking <laughs> man I've ever met in my whole life. Yeah, I'm involved in Liverpool Loves Festival, which is going on this weekend. It's a huge free festival, not just music, but uh, arts. Lots going on. Uh, lots to eat and drink and, and enjoy over the weekend. So it's... Around Liverpool 1, so Shavas Park, um, Derby Square by the Law Court, stuff like that. Loads of really good bands on both days, Saturday and Sunday. I've already programmed the Sunday, which allows me to jump back from Dublin on a plane and, and get out on a boat. So I think I'm going to introduce them and all that, do a bit of showbiz. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, so but the, the lineup's brilliant and it's completely free and it's always really good fun festivals. So, uh, yeah, Liverpool City Centre, get down fun for all the family. Yeah, looks a cracker, absolute cracker. Get down if you can. Liverpool loves. Uh, just want to give a uh, just uh, both a shout out and a welcome to our friends at the Blue Room. Uh, they've gone to uh, people being able to subscribe to hear extra shows from this week. Um, so to Dave, Matt, Paddy, et al. Uh, really hope it goes well for them. And if you're listening to this as a blue, who's a bit red curious, then you might want to uh, <laughs> you might want to get yourself over to uh, to the Blue Room to get all the fantastic stuff. Or the other way around. Or the other way around. If you're a red who's blue curious, and God knows there's a few of us about, <laughs> you may uh, you may enjoy it. Uh, it's four pounds a month over at the Blue Room uh, and all that sort of stuff they look as though they're having a, a load of fun and also if you are listening to this either as a podcast or if you are heading over um, at some point we will be doing an event at the Lansdowne Hotel on the Saturday of the game against Bilbao uh, the Anfield Wrap will be doing we're down to do half an hour John we'll probably end up doing more won't we yeah at least at least three hours I think yeah, yeah. once I'm up there yeah yeah it's like like Ken Dodd um, <laughs> in, in, in so many ways <laughs> yeah uh, that's, that's the way in which all that works uh, and the other thing as well to point out is that we've been pushing our fantasy football thing, Roto, uh, that we're doing in conjunction with them. Uh, Roto Premier League is the best fantasy football game that's out there with so much more variation and interest. Uh, yeah, it's getting closer and closer to the start of the season, so if you're thinking about joining one, we'd recommend that one, uh, and all you've got to do is enter and put your league as T-A-W, and you'll join with other Anfield Rap listeners slash subscribers and get to enjoy that one. Uh, that's everything that we've got uh, to plug out the top uh, on this part, but we have got to talk about the football, we have got to talk about Watford in the in the context of the Bilbao game you said before John you you know the manager's got a bit of form that he'll he'll throw one or two slight curves in but you may be right about that but I'm still expecting to see at least nine of the lads who will start against Watford start against Bilbao it might actually be 11 on this one to, to kind of go against kind of what I said earlier earlier in the, in the show I think this might be the one he goes okay well this is as close as possible because there's obviously there's a, there's a few lads who are getting back to fitness and, and might not be quite right for Saturday, but he'd be hoping for you know for, for the next week to get a start. I'm thinking someone like James Milner or someone like yeah. that. But I think as close as possible, he'll want to play the first 11. And I think this is where we, we might see, you know, what I think especially the front six, I think it's going to be quite interesting what that looks like and what looks like a first 11 to him. There's, in the context of this, Ian, and I think it's important, is that last season, first game was away at Arsenal, so it had everything. It's, it's, it's a huge game, it's away at Arsenal. But there was also a week between that and the next match, 
now, and by the time this goes out, we may well know whether we play the Tuesday or the Wednesday in the, in the Champions League playoff, but we still might not because the, these things tend to be the result of negotiation. But he has to pick a team, and I'll already be thinking about a side for half 12 on the Saturday to then compete on the Tuesday or Wednesday. And I think this is the first time, even though we had the Europa League run, I think this is the first time where that's become a, that's a genuine thing under this manager, where, where he's been having to begin to sort of make those sorts of choices this early on and begin to think from minute one about rotation. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot recently and if you look at our start of the season, it, it's five games in 15 days, which is, which is unreal. Um, He's got a real job on his hands managing some of those players in terms of fitness. I think if I was going to look at it and, and look at areas for concern, um, the two centre-halves, um, whether they've got five games in 15 days in them, given that both Matip and Lovren seem to pick up injuries, little niggles, little viruses here and there. That we, it's, we've spoken about this before on other shows, that the drop-off to the currently the third choice, which is probably Clavin, is quite a big drop-off. Um, and even if they go and do a little bit in the market now and get Van Dijk in... You know the lad hasn't played competitive football or even or even team training um, since January. So at best case scenario, you probably don't see him till September. So I think there'll be a case of wrapping those lads in cotton wool a little bit. That said, I agree with John. I think he'll probably go as much as he can full strength against Bilbao. It'll be interesting to see what he does at fullback because I think Trent is really impressed. Uh, Gomez has had a bit of a weird pre-season. I thought he looked all right at right back against Hertha Berlin. Uh, didn't cover himself in glory the other night uh, against Bayern Munich and uh, sorry against um, uh, Atletico Madrid. Um, but Watford are a really tall side, They're the tallest side in the league. So I think already he'll be thinking about. I that love these sorts of stats. He'll be thinking about that physical kind of battle. So I could easily see a scenario where he's going, he's going Henderson and he's going Emre Chan. Uh, against Watford um, in terms of the middle of the park with Coutinho and maybe someone like Lallana misses out yeah it's it's there's, there's options and that's great and, it, and, it, and it's fantastic to have them and, and we're, yeah I'm sure you're going to be fairly sure what he, what he wants to do with his mind he, he picks Henry Chan like I say his name differently every time I go with it. It's only three letters. Um, Emery Shan. Um, Sean, I went for there. Uh, it's all right. Chaka Khan can't say her own name. <laughs> um, so Emery, uh, he plays him a little bit further forward of, of, of Henderson, doesn't he? And it, it, the other night, and whether that's something he, he he was looking at for maybe Watford, I think, you know, there's arguments to go horses for courses in the first few few games and think, well, where where is it like we're likely to be be able to be more attacking? Where is it we're going to need a bit more of a physical battle? Where is it where that you know what what Emery does in that position? You know, he's, he's sort of the halfway houses and he'll come back and help out Henderson when he can, but but then he'll also he'll also look to get forward more and you know that kind of six and a half, eight and a half type thing. Will, will that be something he looks at? I think I think that's the where where you where you start to see. There's a position available. I think, I think the front three is the what, what he went he went for the other night and want to go for. That. And I think he'll play Coutinho in midfield, and I think he'll play Henderson. And, and it's just that midfield one where you might still be thinking, well, is is it is it too much of a risk? Am I, am I going a bit too mad playing Lallana in there in that game, or should I kind of hold him back? Lallana's so interesting because he's so <coughs> he's so key to how we play in terms of that press and and the trigger. But and he's boss as well, and, and he's and he's really good. <laughs> uh, and he was great last year at Vicarage Road, but he, he just don't see a scenario where he goes Coutinho and Lallana 
in, in against a, a really big physical side first game of the season. I think the start, I, I sort of agree with both of you, but again, I, I do also wonder if he's will also be thinking, but I definitely want Lallana for that Champions League qualifier. Yeah. That that becomes sort of part of the part of the, the thinking, the process through this now is that he, and he's able to. Do you not think Nice will fancy him? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard that Bucharest don't like it. Um, there is, you know, there's definitely. You know, I think I do wonder about that, and I also wonder my other sort of thing to come back to Saturday's game in terms of what we see there is that he's then sort of picking his side. Is he going to pick the side that he's going to pick for, you know, he's going to have his eye on the European side, where is he going to have his eye in? But the other thing is, as you pointed out to us, that on Thursday evening, Bilbao have got a game. So they themselves, you'd think we're not going to necessarily get the strongest Bilbao side on Saturday. Yeah, Bilbao play um, play Bucharest in the second uh, second leg. So by the time this goes out, that result will be known. Um their season starts the week after ours. So I think they got Katafia home on the twentieth. So, but the, but given the fact that they're in the middle of a European qualifying campaign, I would imagine they're going to be pretty up to speed. Um, but the manager there, I think it's Aganda, um, who's just taken over from Valverde, who's gone to Barcelona, he'll probably not risk too many of his first his first choice if they've only just played the game on the Thursday. Um, all right then, this is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. Uh, got ourselves another song for you this week. Uh, this is Delamitri with Roll with Me. Uh, feel obliged. Uh, that was Delamitri, by the way. Roll with me. Uh, Adam Amelia tells me it's ridiculously difficult on karaoke, though I have heard him nail it. Uh, but he shattered afterwards. Uh, you still get, get a rest. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's where you get your breaths in, I think, sometimes. Yeah, you've got, you've got to wake your breath out in that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I had a disaster doing Mr. Jones by the Counting Crows when I was in America last time. It's too long, you told me. It's a great, yeah, I just I was flying for two and a half minutes. The crowd loved me, but the combination of, of karaoke, firstly, I don't think you want to do a karaoke song longer than three, three and a half minutes no, anyway, because no. you can only keep the attention, but you just don't get your breath. There's, and so, so you, you're getting poorer at singing and, the, and more boring in equal measure. But apparently, they still talk about it over there, Neil. Well, you'd like to think so. There's not much going on, though. It's quiet time. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> notoriously quiet at the minute in the States. Um, yeah, uh, we've, got to, we've got to move back over and have a chat about the transfers uh, because it's an ongoing thing. And, and yeah, yet again, um, and, and I'm stunned, uh, to be honest with you, Ian, that it's another week past. And I'm not stunned that Liverpool haven't signed um, Van Dijk or Keiter or anything else. What I'm stunned about is that there still isn't any real number of links. I think this is a real, whether or not whatever went on around Van Dijk the first time, I think if anyone says Liverpool are briefing X, Y or Z at this stage, it feels like Liverpool are talking to absolutely nobody. No one's got any idea what Liverpool are thinking on on the transfer front at the moment, unless they really are still just thinking he only wants two players. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a closed shop, isn't it, in terms of um, rumours getting out. I think you can only assume from the outside looking in that that Liverpool are willing to kind of go the distance with um, Celtic with Van Dijk, and I, I mean, I've got a real issue over the centre opposition. I've just touched on it before. I, I've got concerns over the the two first choice ones as we as we currently speak, and in terms of their fitness, and I've got I've got more than a few concerns over potentially the backups in Claver and Gomez in terms of you know have they quite got the quality to compete in in some of those early games that we've just touched on. I think. For me, if I look at this Liverpool squad right now, I, I still think it needs two or three players adding to it. And I just don't know whether we're going to do that before the, 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 the cut-off. I still think we're a midfielder light. Um, that could potentially be solved by bringing in someone like an Oxlade-Chamberlain who can, who can cover a number of roles. So all of a sudden you've got somebody who can play in the middle of the park. He could potentially go in the, in the front three because... 
I would also like another option um, for Mane and Salah if they're not available because I think you've got to take into account this season is long. It's going to be 50, 60 games. At times, you're going to be playing three times a week. There's got to be opportunities when you've got to give some of those lads a break. And I, I think if I was being greedy, I'd like to see certainly a centre-half, another midfield player, although someone like Chamberlain could maybe cover uh, two options. And if we if we had a bit of time, um, I'd like to see another another forward in, in the mould of a, a wide player with pace coming as well. It's... It's just a close shop, uh, John. Uh, you know, we, we we literally sort of as part of what we do in the Anfield wrap, really, we 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 hoover this stuff stuff up every day. And at the minute, there just isn't very much to hoover up at all. I think that's one of the one of the most interesting things about the way this this transfer window has actually ended up planet, panning out is that there isn't um, Liverpool get you your clicks. Liverpool can get you know Liverpool rumours should do really really well. Liverpool are covered by very very good journalists who are very very good at their job and yet there is nothing's breaking, nothing's shifting, nothing's moving so that either means nothing's happening or it means that whatever Liverpool are doing or thinking about doing they're managing to keep so very quiet. Yeah I mean Liverpool's also in a in a, in a quite a rare position, you, you talk about the journalists, the, the fact that there's dedicated to you know journalists for Liverpool Football Club is, is quite yeah. a, is quite a rare thing. It is worth pointing out. So, so look, they'll they'll be they'll be desperately scrambling about the same as us to carry information and find out what's happening. And it does seem quiet. I think, I think they're trying to be patient on 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 what they want and and the the, the, the trying to be steadfast on what they want. And you know, they might come become a case where. Um, you know where they have to move on that, and I noticed Rob Gutman's written something on the Anfield Rap website today about you know is it the time to kind of be looking for other options? I haven't read the piece yet. I'm sure it's excellent. Uh, Rob's pieces normally are, but but it, but it does be, get to the point where you you know they must be looking at the data, especially at centre half. I feel where where they start to go well. Look, we really want Van Dyke, and Van Dyke really wants to come, but the, the lack of budge in Southampton is is has been a bit surprising to me. I thought they'd have gone already and. You wonder whether it would have been another football club, whether they would have, and whether they've just sort of got a bit fed up with Liverpool. And I, I, I you know, you say like it's it's another week. You keep thinking it's going to be a big a big week, and I've seen the journalists mention it as well. I'll be a big week in in the move forward, and then and then I mean, there's there's little bits happening on the Van Dijk one in that you know, there's Pellegrino, is Pellegrini makes makes comments um, that you know it does doesn't look like it's. You know he he kind of wants to play here, but then they say, but we're going to be we we, we think we can turn him round, and so you wonder whether you know you're talking about us blinking, but well, you know how 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 many times does Van Dijk say to them, I don't want to train with you before they go, well maybe we can't we can't turn this round. So I think they seem calm, and, and I, I like the idea that every morning like someone goes into the dressing room, any hopes, yeah. Virgil, any hopes? Yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah. no sound. They try they try a different <laughs> fella every day. Yeah. Said Shane Long, and he's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> You know, watch on, on on that as well. I think there'll, there'll be a Southampton will have a cut off in their own heads as well in terms of how long this can go on for. Because you know, ultimately, if if they are gonna gonna take 65, 70 million pounds off Liverpool, he needs time to go and spend that money. So yeah. there will there will come a point where they'll just go right. We're not selling them now. Yeah. <laughs> it's two days before the window. We yeah. can't invest any of this money to go and buy a new players. I can't work out everyone's sweet spot it's meant to be here. Well, I noticed. <laughs> uh, I noticed. I mean, Paul Clement said that about about oh, Sigurdsson. Sigurdsson yeah, absolutely. he said like he said, forget about the the transfer deadline. He said we've got our own deadline, and if it's not sorted by then, then he's not going. And we've told him that. And I think that's sort of a fair enough way to deal with it. Really, you know, we will we'll set a price if Everton can't meet it by by our our deadline. Then then I'm sorry, and and I think. Southampton do seem to be dealing out like that, obviously with Van Dijk, which is which is apparently frustrating him and and certainly frustrating those of us who want a big massive centre half at Liverpool. I think 
the, the fact that the club do seem kind of relaxed about it relaxes me a little bit more. But you just you just think that that's one position where where we can't go in short. So you know, other others there's, there's there's things you can do, but. At centre half, I think that's one where they, you know, they, they need to make sure they get something and something good. Um, other uh, things to come out is that again, from the other side of things, Ian, there's no real movement on Sacco. Again, I'd have thought there'll be some movement on Sacco. There's, you know, we mentioned Moreno before, uh, but there's no real movement on Markovic. And in fact, it feels like there's not a ton of transfer market movement right the way up and down the Premier League this week. It's. I, I think everything at the minute is dominated by the Neymar stuff. Will that have a knock-on effect for Coutinho? That just, again, seems to be stupidly in flux with so many different forces in play. It feels like every every transfer... I have this thing that often transfers... The way transfers play out is determined by what the big clubs do, and they tend to go a little bit earlier. Uh, the very biggest clubs, Bayern, uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, um, and Paris Saint-Germain are trying to get in amongst that. But... What then happens is it trickles down and there's more action from another sort of 10 clubs, which all the English clubs are in there and a few more, and then that trickles down and so on and so forth. Whereas I think what this Neymar thing appears to have done is almost make everyone go, well, hang on. Because, you know, you could have a situation with this where if if Barca sell Neymar to Paris Saint-Germain for all this money, then they're going to have this money burning the hole in the pocket and then they might try and buy... Borussia Dortmund's best player, Liverpool's best player, uh, another very, very good player from another club who's in that, and that'll have a knock-on effect, and so on and on we go. Whether or not Liverpool are able to stand firm, almost, I'm, I'm almost using this as a hypothetical. I sort of wonder whether or not because there's this weird, huge, ridiculous thing that we're probably not all talking about enough because it breaks the transfer record by 110 million. It's just skewed everything, and everyone's heads have gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and obviously Klopp's made some comments, hasn't he, about it in terms of FFP, and you know, we he, he, he thought that was a real thing, but apparently it, it doesn't seem that way. In, in, in terms of you know what are, what what is the the kind of you know well oh even that seems all murky because yeah, La Liga is, today refused it exactly but um, you know by all accounts can they do that so it, I think it, in terms of Liverpool I mean Klopp's probably obviously got one eye on Coutinho and I, from his comments the other day you just can't see a case now where Coutinho leaves the club because the manager wouldn't look great in terms of coming out and saying this he's not for sale don't waste your time it's not happening. Um, just taking the transfer window as a whole, I'm a, li- you know, I'm a little bit surprised in terms of our business, in terms of how slow it's been. Obviously, we've got these two or three key targets that we're not willing to move on. But you felt, from what the manager was saying at the end of last season, he made kind of remarks around a lot of the business has already been done in terms of we were quite advanced. I get the whole going to Hong Kong. There's a lot of kind of, you know, in terms of that, you're doing it because you want to obviously spread the brand, market, etc. But the trip to Germany felt like it was going to be very intense, very tactical, and he'd won his players in nice and early. Um, we're not at that case now, we're not at that point, so obviously he's going to be getting them in a little bit late. Um, I think what will happen in terms of the, the wider transfer window, when once the season starts, a couple of teams have bad results, there'll be a little bit of panic. So you could easily see a scenario where you know someone's having a bad time towards the bottom of the Premier League, and they suddenly throw a huge bit in for Sacco to go in and do a little bit of what he did when he went to Palace and, and suddenly solved a few defensive issues for them. Let's see, because next week's going to be a massive week uh, in, the, in the world of transfers, not just for Liverpool, but for the wider Premier League. It's all going to begin to iron itself out. Uh, that's what we can tell ourselves. Listen, uh, thank you very much to whoever spoke from Dublin. Uh, they were all great, fantastic and handsome. Uh, thank you very much to Ian Ryan and John Gibbons. This has been this week's Anfield Wrap. Hope you've enjoyed it. Sports Social Podcast Network.